0: Welcome to CCO Podcast, calling college students to serve Jesus Christ with their entire lives. So let's jump into this workshop. Um, What basically I'm going to do, just as what it says um, about lies I believed as a social worker. Um, We're just going to, I'm going to outline some of those lies and we'll take a look at scripture and see why those lies might not be true. Um, So basically this whole presentation is on ways that I have messed up. And other people, or the Lord, or actually that would be both, have shown me the errors of my ways. And I'm just going to share them with you, okay? Um, But let's be honest, some of these things I still struggle with. Like, I know they're a lie. (laughs) I'm like presenting on them. Um, But my behaviors might actually be saying a different story. Um, And maybe this is even something that you can do for yourself as well. Um, so everyone knows the saying easier said than done. So a great way to check yourself for these lies is to look at your behaviors and without judgment. That's one of the most important parts. And the cool thing about Christianity is that we go to the Lord and there, he, we lay down at his feet, ask for forgiveness. Um, and so not only does he forgive us, but we can forgive ourselves and therefore without judgment, We can see our behaviors and look at them and see, do they match the lie or the truth more? Um, And then we can just start to get curious about it. And with getting curious about it, it's when you remove that judgment that then you can really start thinking about it. So that's, I didn't even like start getting into things, but that was something that was really helpful that someone told me before. So, all right, so let's jump in. Um, So, we are going to be looking at some simple recommendations for a long and healthy life. So uh, just humor me here. You guys, I know you guys all know this. So number one, five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. Second one exercise for 30 minutes a day, five days a week and everyone's favorite, which is flossing. And doing that once a day. I think maybe we're supposed to do it like twice a day. I can't remember. But, um, so, I don't know about you. um, I am about at a zero for those right now. Hello, COVID. Um, But I want to ask you guys, and so I'm going, I'm opening up the poll now, if you see on your screen. Um, How many of these recommendations do you follow regularly? So if everyone can just take a second and look at the screen and obviously, this is going to be, this is um, very uh, anonymous. So, um, yes, yeah. so if you can just go ahead and say which of these recommend or how many of these recommendations do you follow regularly? Okay, so I'm going to close and polling in about five seconds. All right, so let's uh, look at these results. So, um, it looks like a lot of you are with me, uh, 31% of you guys are with me, um, about half of you do about one and, uh, those two overachievers, um, you guys are doing awesome way to get it. Um, and you guys are doing too. So I'm going to do a second poll and this time I'm going to ask, um, So who needs more information to study these recommendations? Like, for instance, do you need to know what a fruit or vegetable is or where to buy them? Do you need information on how to take a walk 30 minutes a day? Does someone need to teach you how to do a push-up? Do you need information about how to floss? So do you need more information about these recommendations in order to follow them? All right, so people are responding to that. I'll give you guys, um, most of you guys, it looks like you've already responded. So just give about five more seconds. All right. I'm going to end the polling. And then just as I suspected, um, most of us don't need a lot more information. The other two people, if you want to stay afterwards, we can talk a little bit more. Um, and you know, we can share some information. Um, but most of the time, um, so a lot of these things, I would assume, um, like me, um, you guys have maybe tried to change these things in your life once or twice. And I've done it. I've gotten to the point where I was doing all of this at one point, again, hello, COVID and other things. Um, But we try and then we fail and all of that kind of stuff. And so most of the time, it's not that we need information. So like, obviously, if I were to give you a tutorial today about how to floss, and if I were to see you next year at Jubilee, hopefully in person, um, you wouldn't come back and be like, oh my gosh, Dara, that information you gave me on how to floss was so inspiring that I've done it every single day since then. Obviously. So let's dive into the first lie, which is the more I tell people how they should change, the more they will. The thing is, I have no idea why exercise might be hard for you. As a social worker, I would come up with all these great ideas. And I mean, these were amazing ideas. I could come up with the most amazing plan for you to do all of these health recommendations, you know, like a step-by-step plan. But, and if you just listened to what I had to say, you would be golden, but that is not how things work. Also, I think a lot of you probably know that it's not about the act of exercising because it's what's underneath that. Perhaps someone might be too depressed to get off the couch. Perhaps someone does not value themselves enough to see that they are worth taking care of. And also what the lie is about is it's about my sinful nature of wanting to take control. God doesn't even control us. He gives us free will. He gives us the scriptures, but it's the relationship with Jesus that inspires the change. All right. So I'm going to tell you a one-minute story. And as you listen to this story, I'll be asking at the end how it relates to what we're talking about. So be thinking about that. Um, And again, you can take yourself off mute. You can respond in the chat, however you want to. But without further ado, the story. One day, the wind and the sun had an argument. The wind boasted, I am stronger than you. The sun mildly said, no, you're not. Just then, they saw a traveler wearing a coat walk by. The wind said, whoever gets the man to take off his coat is the stronger. Do you agree? The sun replied, okay, first you try. The wind started blowing. The traveler wrapped his coat around him. He blew harder. The traveler held his coat firmer. He blew harder still. The traveler held his coat even tighter. The harder the wind blew, the tighter and firmer did the traveler hold hold his coat. The wind had failed. Then it was the sun's turn. The sun smiled gently. The traveler loosened his grip on his coat. And the traveler felt the warmth and soon took his coat off. And the sun was declared the winner. So now I'll ask you, what does this have to do with what we're talking about? So feel free to take yourself off mute if you want to, um, or write it up in the chat. Man, these are like my meetings at work. Nobody wants to talk. Anybody? Anybody want to be bold? We get one in the chat. we? Really? I didn't see. I don't know why I can't see the chat right now. Oh, there it is. Oh, you catch more flies with honey. Yep, I like that one. And it's force versus persuasion, telling versus working with somebody. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You guys know it. Um, so, absolutely. So, when things are forceful, we rarely want to make a change. When someone's trying to force me into something, it's probably not going to happen. Um, but who is happy to take their coat off when the sun is out? I am. I am so happy to take my coat off and just bask in the sunlight. When we feel warmth, we are much more ready to make a change. And this takes me to one of my favorite people, Mr. Rogers. Do you guys all know who Mr. Rogers is? Yeah, most of you. Okay. Did you guys also know that he was from Pittsburgh? So maybe a, maybe news to a couple of you. Some of you probably know have known that. Um, so he was a, an ordained pastor. Uh, he went to Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, um, and he's one of my favorite people. But one of the things that he um, has been quoted to say is that love isn't a perfect state of caring. It is an active noun-like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is, right here and right now. And isn't that just like God? Again, one of the coolest things about Christianity is that you don't have to change a thing about who you are in order to be loved and accepted by Christ. I'm sure you've all heard this before, but I love the phrase, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. So we have our first lie. The more I tell people how they should change, the more they will. And the scripture verse that is just like what Mr. Rogers says um, is, is accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So instead of that lie, how about instead, the more you accept people the way they are, the more they change. This one, the first time I heard it was it's not it's kind of hard to explain and that one that has taken me a while to see evidence for oftentimes i would want to tell people how to change told you all about all of those great plans that i can think of but instead i would pause and i would offer validation and affirmation for where that person is and what that did was create a safe space for them to come up with their own change because Making a change involves taking a risk. In order to take a risk, we need to feel love and acceptance. We need to feel that safety net, that no matter what we do, if we fail from trying to make that change, that we will still be accepted. And that's when someone can take a chance at trying something new. So next time, when you wanna offer advice to someone, offer an affirmation, or reflect what they say, and take note of how they respond. All right, so let's dig in to our next topic. Um, And for this one, we are going to do another poll. Um, So poll number three, as Christians, we are to love others more than ourselves, equal to ourselves, or less than ourselves. All right, so a couple people have responded, a couple more that are coming in. We'll give about five more seconds for anybody else that would like to respond. All right, so let's uh, look at these results. Um, so first, we'll take the less than ourselves. Um, obviously, I don't think any Christian will would think that. Um, But this is probably what American culture would say, right? Um, And that's kind of what American culture kind of leads us um, to try to do. And many of you are like me. Um, And what I thought was that we were to love others more than ourselves. And that is the next slide, is to love people more than yourself. I thought that was the definition of selflessness was to love people more than myself. The church sometimes teaches this and I have fallen into the trap that my status as a good Christian is to be earned by works rather than living into the grace that the love is already there. I can't tell you how many times I have put my needs last because I thought that I should love others more than myself how many times I have tried giving from an empty cup. But, and a couple of you got this, um, is that instead the Bible and what the Bible tells tells us um, is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than this. And this is where boundaries come in. One of the most important things as a social worker is boundaries. (laughs) Read about them, pray about them, talk to other people about them, and practice them. Um, And boundaries is going to be a whole nother talk that Alana will probably give next year. Alana rocks at boundaries. Uh, She has already taught me so much uh, with us living together. Um, But this also means, and what I really love about this, Uh, scripture is that it also means that you have to love yourself because look at the scripture again you are to love your neighbor as yourself if you are to love other people well you have to love yourself first and love yourself well folks this is like the second commandment it is important to love yourself some of you might be thinking like, wait a second. There's like a lot of scripture out there in the Bible. um, And I'm going to just take a look at one of them. Um, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. So probably like you, I was thinking like, okay, wait a second. How do we love people as ourselves, but then regard them more important than ourselves? So, um, trying to dig into scripture. Um, And also, let me just put a little caveat out there. Remember, I am a social worker. I've studied social work. I go to church, I read the Bible, I pray, but I'm not a theologian. I can't even say the word. Um, So I went to Google (laughs) And um, I looked up humility of mind. I'm not even going to try to um, pronounce what that Greek word is. Um, But this is something that I found online that someone who does study study scripture um, did say. And so if we look at that phrase, humility of mind, um, it says that it is uh, not a weak man's surrender, but a strong man's rejection of selfishness. And to be actively concerned with the needs and interests of others. And I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like social work. So the strength in here is the power to lay down our control or position of authority. And that kind of, if you think about it, kind of goes back to what we were saying in our first lie. And weakness instead is grabbing for that control. So the focus here is on humility. We can love people as ourselves. And be humble. And the other thing that was like really, you know, confusing to me is um, to regard one another as, as more important than yourself. So again, thank you Google, and for other people putting um, all of their hard work on Google for us to learn from. Um, is this more important? Again, not gonna uh, not gonna try to um, say the Greek word there. But figuratively, it means to be in a controlling position, have power over, be an authority, be highly placed, to be above superior rank. I think you guys kind of get that. So let's think about how we can combine these two, laying down a position of authority in order to allow others to have a superior rank over us. And as I was thinking about that, I really thought about an agency hierarchy chart. So... In this example, this is very similar. So I work for children, youth, and families. This is very similar, very, very basic of what ours kind of looks like, right? We have a director. um, We have some supervisors. Each of the supervisor has caseworkers underneath them. um, And then the caseworkers then serve several families, all right? So kind of that hierarchy, people above us, all of that stuff, authority, Um, But even in this, like we know, I don't love the director more than I love myself, right? Um, But I do, you know, basically kind of like serve them. However, what if instead we flipped the chart upside down? What if we thought this way instead? Think about what um, the more important was to be highly placed, to be above, to be superior and rank. And this is what it looks like in an agency to regard our clients higher than ourselves. What if we regarded families as the most important in our agency instead of the director? What if we got, what if families got to make the final decisions about their care instead of a director? What might that look like? And Christ came into the world to flip it upside down. He confused people and turned things on their head. And what if we were to do the same? So let's kind of put this all together. So we had the lie um, that we were to love people more than ourselves. And we have these two scriptures, one that says to love your neighbor as yourself, and the other one that talks about regarding others as more important than ourselves. So as we put that together, what instead we can say is we can love others as ourselves and regard others as higher than ourselves. So let's go on to our next one. We're going to wrestle a little bit with this one, and you guys are actually going to have time to talk to each other. So think about a time when you had an important change in your character, when you became a better person. This could be a time when you came more mature or a time you learned patience, perhaps a situation that you became wiser. And then what you guys are going to do is just break into groups of three uh, for about 10 minutes. And each person has about, you know, two minutes to share um, a little bit about uh, their circumstance and, you know, their change of character. And then for the rest of the time that you have, is that you're gonna find a common theme. And what we're focusing on specifically is the, the theme, for the theme, is the circumstance that precipitated the change in behavior. So focus on the environment that influenced the change. Um, and then you're just gonna assign a reporter or whatever who, um, after you guys are done talking, um, when you come back into the group, you can just type into the chat or you know say, um, what, what the theme was that you guys found. Um, also, just wanted to make a few notes about meeting in groups. Um, also, I realized as I wrote a couple of these that these are actually really good life lessons that I also learned in social work. So feel free to take them with you as well. Um, so um, the first one, All of the extroverts, like myself, are like, yes, I get to meet new people. Um, And if you're an introvert, you're probably thinking, I hate you, Dara. What are you doing to me? Um, And you might be anxious, and that's okay. So um, anytime with anxiety or when you start getting into flight or fight mode, just breathe. This is also a nice reminder for myself presenting and all of that is to just breathe it's the one thing that we can regulate and that helps us get out of flight or fight mode and helps us to center more so just do that you can also smile smiling can help Um, and the second one is that you do not have to tell every detail of your story especially if it's private so there's this line between vulnerability and like sharing too much information right Um, but you only have about two minutes anyway. Um, So just kind of find that line if you want to be a little bit vulnerable, but, you know, not sharing a lot of information. So just kind of keep it short again, about two minutes. Um, And then another thing that some of you might want to practice is the power of going first. Um, A lot of times if you share something vulnerable, it can help disarm others Who might join in and then then say wait me too and it can take a lot of humility and kindness to share first and the last one a lot of people say what is said in this room stays in this room super important um the confidentiality and the second part that i'll also add to that is is what is learned from this room is carried into the world So make sure that we um, keep everything confidential of what other people share with you, um, unless they give you permission to share it. Um, But any lessons that you learn from it, you can carry into the world. So just as a reminder, and Alana will be writing this down for you as well, think of an important change in your character. What was the circumstance leading up to this change? And then you share that with everybody and then take time to find a common theme of the circumstance that led to that change. Just kind of going into our next lie um, is that it's your job to change people and you are to save people from themselves. Um, so, a lot of you talked about how you weren't in control. Um, and even as the helper outside in that community outside, um, the community is not in control either. Um, how many times uh, have you heard someone say, "Man"? have you heard someone say, man, I feel like I went through hell, but I wouldn't have changed it for a thing. Um, and what if God didn't allow you to go through that trial? What if someone jumped in, tried to save you from yourselves? What if, you know, someone took on, took on your trial as their own and attempted to change things for you? One of the hardest things to do as a social work worker is to watch people suffer, and as in a community, that's often what it's like. As a community, it's to sit beside people, and it's so human to see people and want uh, who make making mistakes, and you're either judging them or wanting to sweep in and save them. And it's so human to take on their trials as their as your own. But what we can do, and what you guys just talked about, is that community. Coming alongside of them, empathizing with them. Yes, weep with those who weep, but we don't have to take on their burdens as their take on their burdens as our own, because it's that trial that can often produce some of the best character changes in life. <clears throat> and this reminds me of one of my favorite scriptures, um, and one I think of often when I'm going through trials, which is more than that. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And I know you guys talked about the Holy Spirit as well, who has been given to us. A mentor of mine, Dr. Walter Smith, um, who have also kind of quoted a lot in this presentation, has often said that given the fact that trials can, and and sufferings can produce so much fruit. How dare we take a trial away from someone? How dare we step in and try to save people from themselves? Oh man, did that stick with me? So now what? So instead we can remind ourselves, it's not your job to change people. Everyone is responsible for their own journey of change. And this is where you can practice boundaries. Figure out for yourself how to support people, like you talked about that community, but not take on a burden of trying to change them. And one of the ways we can do this is to remind ourselves that there's a difference between being responsible to and responsible for. We aren't responsible for people. I don't take responsibility for their actions, I am only responsible for my actions. Oh my God. But what we are responsible to is the community. We are responsible to the body of Christ. So what we can do is offer others a space to be heard, access to have mobility, and then they can take it from there as we are with them. All right. Now for our last lie. And this one will be a quick one. Um, So what I am doing right now is what is best for others. You could read every book. You can get an A on every test. You can be the best practitioner. You could do everything perfectly. Now, you won't because you're human and we're all sinful, but you could do everything flawlessly, and you still could be wrong. And to explain what I mean by that, let's take a look at some history. So first, we have phrenology, the study of the shape of the head. People thought that the shape of someone's head told you something about their personality, how cautious they were or how truthful. And this was studied for decades. And I won't even go into the racism of the practice and how it oppressed people of color. And even something I'm learning right now is how my actions that how they continue to uphold white culture as the norm in the workplace. But all of all of that can really be a whole nother talk. Um, and that's really heavy. So why don't we transition to some history that's a little bit lighter? So in the late 1800s, Swedish physician Gustav Zander created 27 machines. He designed himself to help wealthy, wealthy clientele improve fitness, like this ab rolling machine. I'm sure you've seen or heard of the machines, um, where people stood and there would be like something wrapped around them and like it would just shake. And they thought that like their fat was jiggling off, man, would that be amazing, but it's not, it doesn't work. So how crazy is that, that like people would actually stand there and think that their fat was being jiggled off and not to mention the cocaine that we put in soda and we would prescribe heroin to people. That was something that was actually prescribed and my favorite in the 16th and 17th centuries Hysteria was believed to be due to the tendency of the uterus to wander around the female body, causing irritability and suffocation. That's what doctors believed, is that a woman's uterus was going all around their body, creating hysteria. Ah, oh, crazy stuff. So, um, as you can see, these are all the lies and um, what we can tell ourselves instead. Um, is for you, but let's focus on the last one. So the last lie was what am I what I'm doing right now is what's best for others. So instead, what we can say is we have to be humble about how stupid we are. And folks, this is even really good for me to tell myself at the end of this presentation. I could have thought, like during this time, that I dropped bombs. I was like, man, I got, you know, this was like so good, and I'm so smart. Um but like, even just yesterday, I learned, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of like the different learning styles, like, um, visual learners and tactile learners and audio learners. Um, I've been like doing that for a long time. And even as a, sometimes I do training as a social worker. Um, and I'll even ask people, what's, what's your learning style? Um, apparently I just learned yesterday that was debunked. <laughs> so there's no sense, like people don't actually have learning styles. Interesting. Um, So again, even if we think that we're doing something really well, um, we could be really wrong about it because uh, the only thing that is absolute truth is scripture and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And um, even uh, a scripture verse from, from Corinthians is the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. So the wisest of the wise still doesn't even hold a flame to God and his truth. Um, and But that doesn't mean that uh, we should not try. We're all still trying our best and we operate within the best of what we have and what we know, but we live here on earth in a broken world and not until the new heaven and the new earth will we have all the answers. So, For now, seek the Lord, stay humble in serving his children, and God will delight in you. And we'll end today by looking at some of my favorite scriptures around social work. So, open your mouths for the mute, for the rights of those who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons and daughters of the Most High. And my absolute favorite, he has shown you what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God."